Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Welcome everybody to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 202. My name is Josh, and today I have two very special guests. Um, well, first off, uh, we've had you know a lot of people talk about Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. Uh, see, I did it again. I did it at Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Did it. <sighs> one day, I'll get it right. I, I hope one day I'll actually get it right. Um, but we had a lot of people talking about Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Um, season 2, they're going to add the the. Um, but we've got, uh, joining us again, we have uh, Radford Seacrest. And Bill, I should have gotten a pronunciation, pronunciation of your last name. Is it Wolkoff? Perfect. And we so we have Radford Seacrest and uh, Bill Woolcroft. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Uh, very excited to be here. That's awesome. Um, so guys, we, we asked uh, on uh, social media um, if you, anybody had questions for you guys. Uh, we got 65 questions from our listeners. Um, we, we picked out some choice nuggets uh, to ask you guys. Um, this is kind of going to be a... Uh, season one spoiler-ish uh, podcast. Um, if you want to hear uh, me just, uh, my interview with uh, Radford, that was episode 195. Um, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we don't spoil anything from uh, from Kipo, uh, but we do talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the, you know, a little bit of the plot and the characters and everything like that. Um, so if you haven't listened to that one, go listen to this one. And then, you know, we're going to pause and then you guys can come back. So we're going to pause. Welcome back, everybody. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, guys, uh, thanks thanks so much for uh, coming on. I know it had to, you know, be weird to take out of, you know, get out of your busy schedules. That was a weird way to say that sentence. But I, <laughs> I think I stumbled through it. Oh, we're happy to be here, man. We, we are happy to be taken out of our busy schedules for this. <laughs> I'll oh. say it weird, too. Bill, I just noticed that is a that is a bomb uh, tie, by the way. Cupcakes, I'm loving it. Thank you. Know, it's uh, every day is a good day for a cupcake tie. Uh. Uh, okay, so uh, so first off, let's just kind of let's kind of get into it. Um, so you guys have been getting a lot of attention on social media uh, for season one of Kipo. Did you guys expect? everything that you were getting or has it come from a surprise like all of this you know love for the show oh what do you think bill <laughs> i i mean we were hoping people liked it um uh, you uh, you know always want to tamp down your expectations uh i mean just as a general rule in life i try to uh Half conversely, expect the worst and be delighted when the worst doesn't happen. So this this has been an extra delight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of I I went into it going like expecting nobody would watch it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I like it. People are watching. This is great. <laughs> we both tried to make something that that we would really like. Uh, and that's always been a, a uh, I think it's been, even before Rad and I met and worked with each other, that was kind of a, a mantra for both of us, try to work on things that we would want to watch. Um, and, you know, we're, we're uh, glad to hear, see that, that 
other people want to watch the same things we want to watch. So that was, that was really, that's been, it's been awesome. It's been, been, been really cool. I'm very happy about that. That's great. I mean, yeah, that's, that's one of the things, uh, like I've not seen, I mean, there's you know, a few criticisms because it's the internet. Um, but the majority of everything that I've seen on social media has been positive. Um, and hopefully, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear it, but they're doing all of the yard work right now outside <laughs> the apartment. No, we, we okay, can't good, good, good. Like, it's very distracting for me, but I've got good <laughs> mics and a good setup, so hopefully yeah. <laughs> none of that's there. Um, but yeah, like uh, that that's one of the things, like, uh, I, I mean, I was able to, you know, watch it early and everything, thanks to, you know, DreamWorks. Um, but... I I had a feeling that I I you know this was going to be good. Um just you know watching you know the first episode um and that's one thing that I think that Dreamworks has been doing really good like they're knocking it out of the park with their like animated series. Um and like they're taking chances with their animated series. Um and that's one thing that you know I think kind of like makes them you know a little bit, you know, cut above everybody else. When you guys were, you know, uh you know, shopping people around, like, is that, uh, something that you gravitated towards? Like you, were you, was DreamWorks like your first choice or did they approach you guys? How, how did that work out? Uh, DreamWorks actually introduced me and Bill. Oh, nice. so um, I was already working oh, really? there. You, you guys weren't, you know, lifelong friends. <laughs> That's how we met is through the project. Yeah. They uh, set us up on a work blind date. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had talked to a couple studios and, and I just had the relationship with DreamWorks already. I had already sold them a feature before and, and I'd already been kind of in that fold. So I, I've been working here since uh, 2006. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just I just had that relationship already and I, I liked everybody here. I've worked for DreamWorks before, but I... I... Previously to Kipo, I'd done a bunch of work in animation, um, and uh, uh, but I had talked to DreamWorks before. I had uh, gone to them with projects and pitched on other properties of theirs, and then they they uh, sent me Rad's comic uh, and asked me if I would you know be interested in uh, developing it. And and uh, um, I'm not going to swear because. Uh, uh, this is, yeah, I don't know uh, who's listening to this podcast, but, uh, hell's yeah was my answer when I, <laughs> when I, when I read it. Um, so, uh, that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we got together. And then, and, and happily it was, uh, you know, I, I came to rad with, with how, like my ideas for how to expand it into a TV show. And, uh, he was like, cool. And, uh, then we, you know, spent a year, uh, talking to each other as we, as we, uh, Developed it and, and Rad generated a a uh, unbelievable amount of artwork to accompany it that we brought to uh, Netflix. Nice. Um, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and start off with uh, some of the questions here. Uh, first question I got uh, is from Lunar Narwhal on Instagram. Um, what were some of the changes from the initial uh, from the initial idea for the series to the comic to finally the show? Um. When I started the comic, I was definitely inspired by Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and I had plans to be a bit darker. Uh, and so we definitely veered from from that type of thing. 
Like I think in, in my mind, I was going to cut off Jamak's tongue. <laughs> so uh, we definitely kept it uh, in the, I guess, PG-13, <laughs> PG space. Um, and then one of the notes we got early on on the comic was what Benson was an adult. And so they were like, I, I think it's better if it's just kids, because if it's if there's an adult there, they can always turn to the adult to fix their problems. But if it's just kids, they can't turn to anybody. I thought that was a great note. So me and Bill worked on aging Benson down. For me, for influences, when I came onto the project, um, uh, Rad's uh, comic had been written and, and DreamWorks bought it um, after, uh, I think it was like one and a half issues or something. Um, so there was still a lot of the world to be explored, but a lot of it was really there. And, you know, as we talked about it, it was, uh, it's, it's the walking dead meets Alice in Wonderland. Um, and, uh, the warriors, uh, the Walter Hill seventies movie was also another big influence. Um, uh, just in terms of, are we going to see like one of the frogs, like with a bunch of, you know, uh, bottles on their finger fingers, be like, "Kipo, come on, that'd be pretty cool." <laughs> uh, we we should we should warn you that we are we are we are not allowed to talk about anything beyond season one. Um, and I I joke about this all the time, but I have to believe it's true that there is a a moon boy with a fishing pole floating above <laughs> both of our heads right now, waiting to yank us up in the air uh, if. Uh, if, if, if we say anything too much, but um, uh, uh, just in terms of the, um, you know, the world of the surface, it's a, uh, uh, a, 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 an apocalypse, not a bleak apocalypse, this, this wonderful apocalypse, 200 years in the future, but it's, it's not, uh, there's no government or, you know, uh, uh, organized society that has built up. It's all kind of gang ruled like the nightlife and Walter Hills uh, in, in that, great Walter Hill movie that uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen when I was a little kid and has stuck with me <laughs> ever since. So getting to do that as a cartoon was, you know, truly uh, a, a lifetime dream. Nice. And, and that kind of, uh, Rafa, what you were saying about sipping, you know, dark and everything, that kind of goes into our next question, uh, also from Instagram, Jusha underscore Lackey. Uh, was there ever anything you wanted to do in the show but was considered too dark? So I know you had talked about, you know, cutting off Jamak's tongue. Uh, was there anything else in there that you were like, you know, when you were initially, you know, figuring stuff out, you were like, hmm, maybe we do kill Benson. You know, like, was there anything weird like that? <laughs> I can't think of anything. I mean, we we did some crazy stuff in the season <laughs> that I'm surprised we got away with. But I, Bill, was there anything that was like we got pulled back on? They uh, happily, like they they told us, uh, don't hold back. We we will tell you when to hold back. And, and there were there were things in season one that we had to find the right way to get into that that you know uh, made uh, you know made, made it fit you know in the world but they you know we were not given handcuffs at all um and uh um i mean i think it was when when scarlamane you know here's a spoiler when scarlamane slaps the the uh uh um the dubstep b um in, at the end of uh episode nine um 
and then raises his hand and picks the stinger out. Like, I, I think maybe we couldn't linger on that quite as much, and we might not yeah. have been able to use as many squishy sound effects, but it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah. There, there's also, shoot, I can't, I can't remember, for whatever reason, I can't remember what the animals were, but uh, the, the aerobics ones? Yeah, raccoons. The raccoons. Um, I was thinking weasel, and I'm like, they're not weasels. They're trash pandas. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, like, that was... I thought it was, you know, nice and happy, and they just kind of live underground, and then you're like, oh, no, this giant pigeon comes and just takes them whenever it wants. Uh, that was, I was like, oh, okay. This is how we're going to do it. All right. Yeah. I, even watching the animatic on that one, I was like, oh, no one's going to say anything? All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, they had to deal with the pigeon, and, you know, it just kind of got by for a long time just fine, and that's uh, – uh, the trade-off was, was better for them at that, at that point. <laughs> uh, this one is from Twitter from uh, Andrew Barnick. Um, the show has a wide variety of creatures that range from more cartoonish cats and frogs to more frighteningly realistic megamutes. Uh, how did you ensure that these felt like part of the same world? Um, I mean, we had a consistent design aesthetic in mind. Uh, like, whenever we did the Megas, we always added either extra limbs or eyes so that they, they felt like they were their own thing relative to the talking animals who didn't have, like, extra arms or extra eyes or things like that. that, that we we kind of just placed rules in our mind that helped things feel like they they kind of lived in the world that uh um we talk a, a lot uh in our writers room uh we had a full writers room like a live action show going uh to make sure those rules were consistent um uh and in addition to that uh it was the stakes i think uh that we always wanted to keep the stakes real, um, that this, this is a world where you could die in. Um, and uh, there, there is, a, uh, uh, there is a, a constant threat. It's not, it's not a world of fighters per se. There are people who fight, but it's not like a world where people come to fight. But it's, it's a world that's, that's uh, um, unfamiliar and dangerous. And, and uh, you know, by that virtue, uh, you, you, you know, <laughs> you could get killed. Um, and I think that helped keep a consistency um, that, you know, keeping those, those, uh, those stakes real and the emotional stakes real for our characters, uh, um, keeping the emotional stakes of uh, uh, Kipo coming of age. Uh, she's just turning 13 uh, when she arrives on the surface. Um, and what that means, uh, um, keeping those stakes real helped I think I, I think helps keep it make it consistent. Um, that that's 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 that helps us emotionally recognize this world. Um, yeah, because th that is one of the things. Like uh, there, I mean, I guess, yeah, all of the humans pretty much are underground. Uh, everything else above ground is some radiated type of being, pretty much. Like they've evolved into a different way. Um, well, when you, when you guys were creating uh, some of the character designs and everything like that for more the mutes and everything like that, um, what was what was kind of your inspiration for uh, like the character designs? Um, I I mean, 
I'm 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 heavily influenced by a lot of anime. So just style wise, like a lot of it is those influences and a mixture of that and it feels very Gurren Logan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and then uh, a mixture of that and working at DreamWorks so long and always seeing Nico Marley's stuff who did Kung Fu Panda, I feel like my stuff is like a mixture of those influences. Um, was is there? Oh, sorry. Uh, was, was there any uh, anything that you wanted to put in the show? Like, were there any certain creatures or anything that didn't make it into season one? Maybe because they were a little bit too frightening or grotesque or anything like that, or maybe just too normal. I think that one of the dogs had like giant horrifying tusks. <laughs> we we gave him four eyes instead. <laughs> Look like uh, it just didn't look. It it almost looked too conventionally monstrous um, and not like a, a, a adaptation that would would evolve somehow. Um, I, when I like when I first came on the show, the artwork for the Mega Bunnies had already been generated, and uh, a lot of people have picked up on this, but not everybody. That the rows of ears going down the Mega Bunnies back are um uh evoke the godzilla spikes um and i think that strangely helps uh, uh create this this reality like because the ears could naturally grow down but they also borrow this iconography of of uh um uh kaiju uh in an adorable way that you haven't necessarily seen before um and that was very unique and, that, and, and we tried to find those natural mutations in all of the mega mutes that 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 we came up with and as far as the the gangs were concerned the ones that the the, the mega mutes that the, the mutes that can talk um it's imagining our world 200 years in the future and these animals evolving and discovering scraps of our society and turning it into their own and and finding ways to do that in a way that was funny but also felt somewhat somewhat real um so that that's kind of that was that was an operating principle that we used. Um, what are some of your favorite like gangs in the show? I, I'd have to go Timbercats. <laughs> um, I mean, gosh, uh, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Mod Frogs uh, and for Jamak. Um, I will always have a soft spot for Jamak. We kind <laughs> of thought of him as as uh, you know, kind of a a Don Draper in this world of other mod frogs who aren't at, you know, who don't have his vision. Um, but, uh, he's, you know, uh, uh, he, he sees greater than, than they're able to see around him. They're, you know, a little more mediocre than he is. Uh, I just love those guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a, like, I, I love the, uh, obviously the mod frogs, but I mean the, um, the shoot the uh the top gun hummingbirds oh. <laughs> the what were they sorry humming bombers humming bombers yeah. okay i i like that i i would love to see in season two a uh, a humming bombers like beach volleyball scene i think that's what we all <laughs> what we all need in our lives that's pretty good <laughs> Um, yes and yes <laughs> and yes that's perfect um we uh this one is uh from instagram it's from 
It's Talk Cartoons. Um, your love for music and fashion, uh, two things I love as well, uh, definitely shines through in Kipo. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with the two and um, why you ultimately chose to express your love for both in the show? I mean, for me, like, I, I even had a, a small skateboard company before I started, and I've, I've, I've always skateboarded, and, and I've always been into the fashion. I bet it's my favorite thing right now to go to Fairfax Boulevard and like all of the top brands are all skate brands. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where, I, and I think my personal music taste comes from growing up with skateboard videos. So I, I'm heavily influenced by that culture. Um, and, and I just can't help but put that in there. And, and Bill too, like when I first met Bill, the first thing I noticed, I was like, dude, this guy's super cool looking. Like, he's got tattoos up his sleeves. Like, he's always wearing a tie. That's, like, an interesting – and it, you can't see his shoes right now, but he always has, like, really dope shoes. <laughs> you can see the sole. I can see the sole, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah. Are, are there any specific influences that you kind of, like – uh, just kind of like to build on that question. Are there any specific like influences that you know really kind of like, you know, drive it home for you? Um, I mean, like I, I love brands like Palace Skateboards or um, Golf, Tyler the Creator's brand, uh, and music. Like we were throwing in like, um, like Dram and Little. Yachty's Broccoli song and those types of beats or Little Peep or XXX like mixed with French hip hop and just stuff that um, we would find or that we're into uh, and then we would work with the with Daniel and here and, and uh, James to either create or find songs that were in those realms um we're kind of staying on the the music side um how did you guys go uh select uh sorry this is from uh uh soda milks with a z on uh twitter <laughs> um how did you guys go about selecting the music for the show how did you find the music and when did you know you had the right music for the right scene i mean that kind of all goes to uh dreamworks like they they brought us different people to meet with so like we met with different music supervisors and we met with different composers and it, it was all about them bringing us those people we could work with and, and finding Daniel Rojas, who's just an incredible composer. And like he, he had submitted a bunch of beats that were just uh, in the same tone as the show. Like he was already doing music like that. And James and um, here, were, they had already worked on Spider-Verse, so they, they, like the second we met here, I was throwing out a couple things, and he knew exactly what they were, or even like obscure French hip-hop songs, and he's like, yeah, I tried to get that on this show. I was like, oh, whoa, okay, you know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> um, when we first started working on it, we... Uh, uh, we put in our, our, our wish list of temp music, and we DreamWorks was a partner to us. They they encouraged us to make music a really big part of the show. Um, so when we were putting our temp score on the animatics, uh, this was before we had Kieran James and, and Daniel. 
we wanted you know the music to reflect the world that we know both rad and i live on the east side of los angeles um and there is kind of a sound to that that, that you know our part of town uh, so it was we, we put this dream li uh, list of <laughs> music in in as temp score which sometimes you're not supposed to do in animation because you can't always get those songs <laughs> and you also don't want you know your composer music supervisor to be handcuffed to those those choices um, but it helped set the tone for what was possible um, and then uh, Kieran James would send us these mixes of uh, tons of choices for different moments in the show and they were all so good it was sometimes very hard to uh, uh, choose the right one um, although it became it did become clear uh, after a while like oh yeah that's the right song for, for, for that moment um, like yeah, I cried 10 million tears uh, yeah. going over, over uh, uh, um, I think Yvonne DeCarney is the name of that, that uh, singer. She's, you know, uh, uh, you know, a ballad singer from, I think, the 50s and 60s uh, um, that fits over the, the Jamox. Because uh, uh, we had uh, put in, uh, we had put in Johnny Cash's Hurt, the, the Nine Inch Nails cover. Cause I, like I love Johnny Cash, um, and, and it was just like, and in my, in my mind, I'm like, oh man, how are you gonna top that song? And then, then we got that that song. I'm like, oh, this is even better. I said Yvonne DeCarney. It's Yvonne Devaney. Pardon me, not Yvonne DeCarney. Um, you know what was that? You know oh, what was ahead. the hard? Oh, sorry. You know what was the hardest one was. We were always putting in Yum du Young Dung and Broke for our um, title. So it was always that song. It's like, da, 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 da. you know that song? The Young Dung Broke song? No, I'm... I'm Go look it up. Okay, it's I, so good. My music history is very sad. Like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm very much like 80s hair. That's that's kind of yeah. like it's weird. It's like again, Oklahoma. I grew up on two things. It was it was eighties hair bands and country music. All right, all right. Yeah, it it's sad to say, but that that's you know pretty much what I had access to. And then you know I yeah. moved out here, and it's like oh, there's different types of music, and they're <laughs> way better. Go go check out a uh, young dumb and broke. I think it's Kyle, right? Oh, all right, sorry. Uh, that we we had thrown that in, and it was so hard to find something because that song is just so good. And we went through the longest time of trying so many things until we got the one that we did, and and finally it was like, oh, this one's this one's amazing. Yeah, Michaels. Uh, Vanessa Michaels is the name of yeah. the, uh, the composer of the theme song, and. Uh, I'm so happy with it. Uh, I didn't think anything could replace Young, Dumb, and Broke in my mind, but when yeah. Vanessa, when that, when she did the theme, uh, I, you know, very quickly forgot that we ever had it in there at all, and I was like, yeah. wait, wasn't it this the whole time since before we started yeah. the show? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing that they're able to plus it, like make it even better than the temp. We did get uh, probably our most asked question uh, where. Uh, for people asking about the music, like where can they get the music? So, 
you have to type in the full name into either iTunes, Spotify, or like all your your music sources. But you have to type in Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. It's all there. Don't put a the in there. Don't do Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts because no. then it's just a fan made thing. You don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Kipo and A N D, not ampersand. No, I don't know why. <laughs> it. it uh, <laughs> But it's there. It's on Spotify. Yeah. It's on yeah. iTunes. Um, yeah, that was that was by far our most asked question. Is like, where can I get the music? Where can I get the music? So yeah, like that's one of those. I guess once we finish this, you'll you'll know exactly when we record this episode because I'm gonna go to uh, iTunes and then post it so you guys can. I'm gonna go to Twitter and like post a link to where you can buy the album. So. Buy it there, guys. Just it's it's there. It's easy to get. It boom boom. It's like two clicks. Um, and, you, and you, you know it. what's funny is when when it came out, Daniel was like, "Oh, we didn't get like the day of." He was like, "Oh man, we didn't get that many streams." And then he texts me like either a few hours later the next day, and he's like, "Oh, it doubled." And then he texts me like a little bit later, like we got over a million streams. Like he was freaking out. Well, yeah, it's one of those like you gotta like constantly promo that because I mean, like it's one of those things, like, especially with you know like a series on you know anything really. It it may not be like the first day that something comes out. It may not be you know oh we had you know however many people streamed this. Um, but then as that word of mouth comes out, then, you know, more people start watching it, more people start talking about it. Then you see all that stuff. So it's like, just wait a bit. Wait like a week. You wait a week and then it <laughs> explode. I am waiting for somebody to uh, do the same thing with our soundtrack that, you know, uh, people do with Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon to, moon to uh, um, Wizard of Oz, where if you play it at a certain point, on Wizard of Oz, it actually syncs up. I'm curious. Maybe it'll sync up with, with you know, maybe the Kipo soundtrack will sync up with Wizard of Oz. There are similarities to the <laughs> thematically to the, to the shows. So, uh, you know, I encourage your listeners out there asking questions to give that a shot. <laughs> I hope it. Here's the thing. I kind of hope it's not Wizard of Oz. I hope it's like a really random, like the Lost World Jurassic Park. Like somehow it fits perfectly with that. <laughs> even even better. It's like somehow we. I, I was watching Galaxy Quest, and then I put this on, and it syncs up perfectly. <laughs> hey, try try the Warriors. <laughs> That would be amazing if it's like perfect, like boom, boom, like the Warriors. <laughs> um, so uh, we're coming uh, to our last like actual like question, question. The rest were a lot of questions from uh, uh, basically a lot of people asking the same question. Um, we got a lot of them about uh, you know Skip, uh, Skipo, uh, Kipo's skin color, like. Did the burrow think it was odd that she was purple, or did you know like Benson and Wolf think it was weird that she's purple? Like, uh, you know, is is that one of those things where it's just like everybody had like you know blinders on for her being you know purple-ish? <laughs> I'll let Bill answer this one. <laughs> World where kaiju bunnies exist. Um, and in our estimation, yes, 
the people of Kipos Burroughs thought probably thought it was very weird, um, but eventually just accepted it because this is a world of, of mutations and they knew of uh, glow worms and, and, and mega worms from, from the under, underground. Um, so it was odd, but maybe not so odd when you look at the other weirdness uh, around. And I think it's part of what made Kipo uh, who she is, um, so accepting of other people. Uh, that you know, she accepted this about her uniqueness about herself, um, and uh, became this relentlessly positive, um, open person who's able to see the wonder of the surface world. Um, when when you have a unique difference about yourself and you own it, and obviously we we didn't really play a flashback and show her coming to terms with that when she was younger, but we had talked about that and thought about it. So uh, I think it's part of you know how she became who she was, and of course. Uh, there is an answer to why uh, within the season, but uh, that's that. That's what the baseline was, I think, for people. Um, simply put, weird, but not too weird in this world. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that kind of leads us to our last uh, kind of um, Instagram question from uh, Saint. I think it's Saint Like. It's like Saint L I K dot E. Um, right. what's the idea behind the purple jaguar hallucination scene? Does it foreshadow anything other than Kipo being like a purple jaguar child <laughs> person? Uh, that is a, uh, when that, I mean, we, there's no way to talk about that yeah. without giving a season one spoiler, but, uh, that's oh, a big a, moment for You can for do Kipo. season one spoilers. We're, we're season one spoiler heavy. You're go, go ahead. You're, you're fine. Um, I mean, that, that's a big moment in her uh, coming to terms with the fact that she's a mute when she sees this full jaguar arm grow on her. And uh, the, the purpose of that dream sequence is to really get inside of her head and process what she was going through emotionally, uh, what she had been going through emotionally as it was as weird things were starting to happen as she basically went through puberty and could see in the dark when it got dark or uh, would grow fur and get stronger when her friends were in danger. Um, but this was the biggest change, and we wanted to really be in her inside of her head when that change was happening. Uh, um, so we were going through that with her. Uh, the it was the idea was to have the audience feel like you know they were growing it also uh, because we really do experience all aspects of the surface world from Kipo. She is a proxy for us. So, and it was cool. <laughs> it was a cool way to do a, a, a musical number. We had to get Sterling Brown singing, <laughs> Sterling K. Brown singing again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely different from when I went through puberty. I, I didn't get to see in the dark. Um, that kind of sucked. I think the only thing I gained from puberty was the ability to see in the light. Um, that's basically all I got from mine. <laughs> Um, our, our next big, big question, um, almost, uh, we got almost as many of these as we did of where is the music? Um, a lot of people are asking about Benson. Like, was there any pushback from DreamWorks, um, with making him gay and like who decided for him to, you know, boldly come out? Was that something that you guys knew you wanted to do or was that you were just like sitting one day, you know, at lunch and you're like... You know what? While we're in this Chipotle, 
what <laughs> if you know and then like how, how did that kind of you know benson uh benson's come out coming out how did that kind of you know happen well i think i mean i i sold the show with a gay character so they already knew when they're buying it benson is is gay but the cool thing was that when we when me and bill talked to peter gal i think you were there bill but peter just said you can have a gay character but he has to say the words i'm gay which was really cool to hear from the studio so um bill wrote that episode too so if you want to talk a little more on it bill we knew from the beginning that uh, we wanted to have this story play out and uh, we wanted the moment to come out organically and we wanted it to be a part of Benson's character but not define who he is. Um, and uh, it comes out um, as a part of Kipo's growth. Um, it, this is a at heart, it's a coming of age story. Uh, she's coming of age, you know, against this fantastic apocalypse. And um, she doesn't meet that many humans. Uh, there's not that many humans in her burrow and there's not that many humans that she meets on the surface world. There aren't that many humans left on the surface world. So it's natural that these feelings would come, you know, feelings uh, uh, for the other humans that she meets would come up and that's why she, uh, uh, expresses them to Benson. She's a little bit younger than Benson. She's 13. He's, uh, in our minds, he's 16. Um, so he's just being very nice. Like, I'm going to take you out and have you on the special thing because we're friends. And she reads a little more into that as young kids tend to do when somebody shows you more attention when you're, when you're that young. Um, and that was how we wanted it to come about. Um, but not be, uh, not be a big deal. Um, and we wanted the chance to get to uh, play, you know, play that out in Benson's character um, and have it be, again, it doesn't define him, but it is a part of his life. So happily we were able, DreamWorks supported us in following through uh, and letting him have a crush at the end of season one. Um, and uh, um, I did write, I wrote, as Brad said, I wrote episode six where uh, he comes out and, and I also wrote episode 10. Um, but those, both of those moments were very much the result of uh, our entire writing staff weighing in on, on, on the uh, Benson's arc over the season. Um, we, uh, um, we had an amazing writing staff and uh, we, uh, everybody uh, um, discussed this moment and how to make it real and authentic inorganic to the story, uh, to Kipo's story. Um, and our storyboard artist team also weighed in uh, on top of that and, and our directors. So uh, we did have a lot of voices helping craft those moments. Uh, and uh, Rad and I are, are I, I'm personally a little surprised at how much of a nerve it struck in a, in a good way um, and very, happy that it seems to have meant something to a lot of people. So we're, you know, we're really glad that that moment, moment resonated. Um, but we, it wasn't pre, we didn't write it in a premeditated mo, you know, motive to elicit that reaction. Um, uh, so we were genuinely surprised that, that, that people have written articles about it. That's nice. Um, did you guys have any favorite scenes? Like where was there a scene that you guys, you know, like really, you know, spoke to you this season? I, 
I love like uh, Benson's intro over music. It's, it's kind of fun to see it like an all silent, but with music scene. Um, God, do you want, you got some favorites, Bill? <laughs> to pick our, amongst our children. Um, I yeah, think I if, I, if I had- Favorite character, you know. <laughs> um, I think if I had to pick a, a favorite moment, it would be in episode seven when Kipo gets to have her mom back for uh, uh, a day and gets to experience, like have her mom come at the time in her life when she needs her the most. And then uh, she has to say goodbye to her because uh, it's all fake, um, but she can still have her mom forever in her head and you know basically live like kind of like the matrix if she chose to keep her, but then she makes the, stronger choice to say goodbye and, 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 and leave her behind. Um, I'm always, I always get a little, uh, 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 misty <laughs> thinking about that moment. And, um, 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 I think that might be my, one of my favorite moments in the, in, in season one. Nice. Um, while, uh, while we wait for season two, um, are there any comics or uh, books or series um, that you would recommend to the fans? Oh, yeah, this is this is definitely the putting you on the spot episode. I mean, we both have little kids. Like, uh, I got lots of preschool show recommendations. Do you? Would you recommend <laughs> the Rainbow Kingdom? Yes, I actually would. <laughs> that's that's great because that's we just had our two hundredth episode, and we had a five year old boy who uh, was spending a lot of time with us and would only watch True on Netflix. Um, so while, <laughs> while we were watching that, uh, I was, I was you know, talking with his mom. I'm like, you know, it'd be funny if we made our 200th episode about True and call it True 100, and then we did. So. Great. That show is really well designed. It's, it's a nice... Yeah. Nice it's, we got that one on rotation as well as, uh, uh, I think, it's a Korean cartoon because my wife's Korean. So <laughs> I, I've been really, I mean, I, I love Hilda um, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of animation. Uh, I guess that's not as new anymore. That's, that's been out for a little bit. Um, uh, I loved, uh, I haven't seen series two of Infinity Train, but I loved series one of Infinity Train. Um, I'm excited for Glitch Techs. Uh, I think that's coming out very soon. Um, all of those, you know, uh, we've been uh, been watching with with, with uh, our kid. Uh, um, Watchmen is one of the best things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if I've watched that with uh, with kids, but <laughs> maybe not with the children. Um, <laughs> my my um, daughter loves the Baby Yoda from Mandalorian, so we watch that all the time. <laughs> um, we 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 we. Uh, we watched that too. Um, I, I, uh, um, uh, I just read, um, and this is more for uh, uh, for grownups. I just read um, the Ninth House by Indy Bardugo. Um, that's her. She wrote the Grishaverse uh, novels. Um, uh, Netflix is doing is doing a series of the Grishaverse novels, live action series. Um, and uh, uh, the Ninth House is, is Lee's first non-YA novel. It's it's incredible. Um, like all of her novels, uh, 
Um, so if you're, you know, if you're into YA at all, uh, I definitely check out the ninth house. Um, yeah. Uh, when I, one of, one of my first jobs, it's going to sound really old. Um, but I worked at a borders, um, not even a Barnes and Noble. Uh, I worked at a borders <laughs> before that, it, you know, Walden books, like uh, old school. Um, but I was in charge of the, the YA section. So I oh. got to read all of it like i was reading all the harry potters i had all the percy jacksons all the artemis fowls all that stuff and i was like all right so when you're like talking about ya i'm like oh interesting i i do like myself some ya um but yeah i'm gonna <laughs> definitely check out the ninth house that sounds interesting can you what's it what's it kind of about like a little synopsis about uh secret societies at, at uh universities at, at it takes a fictional point of view of Yale, um, which has lots of secret societies like Skull and Crossbones and uh, uh, Scroll and Key. There's many of them that actually exist. Uh, and kind of the twist of the novel is, and this gets established on page once, it's not even a spoiler, is that they are all places where you can pra practice real magic and it's a secret. Um, and uh, um, it's about uh, this, um, uh, a girl who uh, would never, like, high school dropout um, and a drug addict who re reforms herself and gets pulled into becoming kind of the, 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 the person who polices all of the different houses uh, uh, at Yale. Um, and she's the most unlikely of person, of, of people to uh, come to, like, a kind of stuffy institution like Yale. So it's this mix of magic but also like a young girl from the wrong side of the tracks coming into a stuffy boys club type society and like making her own name it's got so many things that i love i i love it that sounds awesome yeah i've definitely got it i've got like four audible credits that are just sitting right now so that sounds sounds quite interesting i need a break from the witcher because those the books are great and the narration is fantastic but it's like yeah i need some need a need a palate cleanser i've gone through like three witcher books and i'm like okay oh we need to pump the brakes on the witcher right now um guys uh bill raffer thank thank you both so much for uh for coming on yeah thanks for having us um if oh no problem uh if if you could say one thing uh to uh to the fans um like whatever you want like as a thank you like stop asking about the music you know whatever it is um uh what, what would you say oh man i you know what is my favorite thing is i've been seeing a lot of people tell me that they're inspired to draw again they hadn't drawn for a long time or just inspired to try drawing in general and that's probably the thing i'm most excited about so if you're a fan and you've ever even thought about drawing go pick up a pencil and, and start sketching I, I'm I'm feeling on the spot now. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm I'm. Uh, I mean, honestly, undying gratitude is the first thing I would want to express to the fans. Um, but I want to give them something better than that. Um, I mean, and, and Rad, you put it great. I mean, it's the fact that people would be inspired to draw again based on uh, your you know designs and seeing the immense amount of fan art is just warms my heart. Um, and, uh, there's been, you know, a lot of interest in, uh, like making D and D 
stat sheets for some of the characters. I think there is, I'm forgetting his name, but there is uh, somebody on Twitter who's already made a couple. Um, and uh, the fact that people are taking the stories into their own, not even just beyond just the designs, but taking the stories themselves uh, and then, you know, being, you know, uh, using them to tell their own stories set in the world is uh, the best thing in the world. And uh, I think the biggest compliment that we could get. And uh, I couldn't encourage that anymore. Nice. Um, where can everybody find you guys uh, social media wise? Um, Twitter, Instagram for me, Tumblr. Also on Twitter, uh, I'm, I'm flying underscore lobster. Um, and I'm on Instagram, but not as much um, as a much more boring screen name, Bill Thirty Thirty One. You know, you can <laughs> which change my, that, right? You know, it's it's not I like locked in stone. It the the number means something to me. Oh. That was I used to run mar I used to run marathons, and that was my first uh, marathon number Thirty Thirty One. So it's kind of stuck with me. But uh, it's it just it seems like uh, it, it seems more like. You know, I just put in Bill, and then it just spat out that. Like, okay, whatever. The three thousand thirty first Bill on. <laughs> uh, and, and we'll put both of the links uh, for both of their social medias um, in the in the show notes, uh, so you can go and you can actually find them. We'll also put a link to where you can watch Kipo. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Twitter at Animate Podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Uh, Bill Radford, again, thank you both so much for coming on. It was great. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Oh, no problem. So for the Animation Station Podcast, I'm Josh. I'm Radford. <laughs> and I'm Bill. Perfect. Bye, everybody. See ya. <laughs> I don't know why I waved. No one could see that. It was, it was weird. It was a weird wave. I saw it. <laughs>